Welcome back, everyone, again to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I am your sex-positive sex therapist, Donna Harris-Richards, and I'm an LICSW, that's Licensed Independent Clinical Social Worker, and CST, that's an ASECT Certified Sex Therapist. ASECT is American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And I'm here once again today with the lovely Vicki. Hello. <laughs> hey, Vicki, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, doing great. Doing great. What's going on with you, my dear? Not much. Oh, Not I much. don't. Be- I don't even believe that for one second. <laughs> well, wait, well, we f- just moved. We just moved. So. Ah. Yeah. And how was that? Good. Just trying to take it uh, box by box, room by room. <laughs> Great. Do you like where you are now? Oh, it's beautiful. I love it here. Yeah. Oh, good. Do you like it better than before? Where you I were do. Before? Oh, I do. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Oh, that is great. And you have lots of room for plants, I hope. I do. I actually um, just bought a nice new plant shelf that I just put together. So all of the plants actually are in the bathroom. The bathroom has a nice skylight. It has a lot of light in there. So. Oh, great. It's like a little jungle. (laughs) And do you have space outside for plants or growth or? We will. Yeah. We're uh, a little near the ocean, so I'm not really sure Mm. how the salt water will play into the plants, but that's a next spring Mm. project because it's a little late right now all right good so listen today um just so the folks know what they're going to be listening to this podcast is on intimacy connectivity not objectivity so intimacy as connecting not not objectifying essentially um and and i wanted to talk about a sort of in in defense a bit of higher desire partners and helping their lower desire partners understand them, their higher desire, and that it's a way of connecting, not objectifying, if that right. makes sense. When, when there's love in place in a, in a committed relationship, it's not necessarily applicable if people are just dating and, you know, having sex. Um, because, right. you know, have, you can have sex with someone you don't love and you can love someone you don't have sex with, but uh, you can also have both things um that go on and then you know if both things happen because of pheromones and magic and all of that stuff then you know you're lucky and and uh that's great um and then understanding that over time we talked about many times before after the first couple of years uh the rush of hormones subsides a bit and then it becomes the work of how do we stay connected intimately sexually how do we keep that going right right um, so I, I wanted to talk about this uh, on the heels of the other podcast we just recorded, which was about, um, you remember the one that we did on uh, Simone Biles and ScarJo and Sharon yeah, Stone? Because um, we, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, misogyny and chauvinism and how that has affected women uh, in not being able to be equal or any, any non-heterosexual Caucasian uh, person who is male, um, if you are not that, if you are anything else than that, then, you know, you are not considered necessarily equal in the same way. So I did want to kind of do this podcast to uh, help folks understand that there are a lot of wonderful guys out there who are not misogynists, who actually are feminists, um, and and they're good, good people, and, and they have high desire, and their partners sometimes 
you know, feel like they're being objectified with their bodies or sex or intimacy. And I want to just sort of talk about it and explain it and get clear. All righty. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> let's define misogyny and misandry, shall we? So, so misogyny, uh, M-I-S-O-G-Y-N-Y, uh, is prejudice against women or girls. And there's also misandry, right, M-I-S-A-N-D-R-Y, which is prejudice against men or boys. So, you know, it exists on both ends of the spectrum, right? Um, now, higher desire and lower desire partners who are coming to sex therapy to ad address their differences in desire or what folks like me call desire discrepancy can learn to think differently and do differently in order to get something different and better. Again, you know, the system of their coupling, we want to, I want to help folks reduce distress and improve wonderful positive outcomes, help them meet their goals. And that happens quite often. You know, the national average, as it says on the website, is about 16 sessions for couples to meet their goals of couples therapy. When it comes to sex or intimacy therapy, just that aspect of the relationship, it can be as few as five visits, as many as 12. And, you know, these are just approximates. It could be more, it could be less. But that, I think it's nice to give those numbers so people know there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. Um, so I do, I do immediately want to talk about what the red flags are for identifying being objectified. Okay, so that, that's really important. Um, if you're feeling objectified or used in a relationship that shows up as feeling um, or being shamed in doing anything, you know, sexual or non-sexual, feeling a pressure or, or being coerced. You know, this is reason to leave the relationship. That is not healthy. That is not good. Um, a strong foundation for a healthy relationship is consent, right, and mutual respect. Um, I was thinking about words. You know, I love wordplay. I was thinking consent, not contempt, right? Consent is yeah. key, as we always say. Consent is so important. Um, and consent works a lot in terms of a framework for couples. You know, I, I'm working recently with a couple around um, their spiritual life and their faith and their religion. Um, and one is grappling with leaving, potentially, their community, their religious community. Um, and one of the ways that I'm helping them or have helped them to look at it is to look at it from the consent framework. Um, yeah. And what does that mean? You know, what that means is that consent is communication. You know, consent is getting clear, like, hey, this is okay with me. Yeah, this is okay with me. This is not okay with me. This is not okay with me. Um, or here's what's happening in my mind. Here's what I'm learning. Here's how I'm growing. Here's my thoughts. I want to run these thoughts by you because I'm starting to feel like I'm evolving in terms of how I'm thinking about something or what I'm, and therefore what I'm going to be doing, maybe not attending the, the church services or um, not uh, subscribing to the dogma as much as I did before. And this is, this affects the relationship, right? Yeah. So con consent is key. Um, and the ability to grow independently and separately is really important in relationship. Um, so a strong foundation includes uh, no ignoring or withdrawing, like standing still and doing the thing that, that doesn't come naturally, that feels uncomfortable, having those uncomfortable conversations, right? Vicki, as we've talked about, um, a strong foundation includes talking and enjoying each other, whether you're in bed or out of bed, whether you're behind the bedroom door, or you're in the kitchen, living room, car, you know, baseball field, I don't know, wherever, park, beach. <laughs> uh, you want to, uh, you know, compliment, not criticize your partner. Very important for those 
positive neurons in the neural pathways. You know, people say, well, well I, I want to be honest, but it's not okay to be honest and unkind. You want to be kind. Honesty without tact is cruelty. Oh, I like that. Ooh, nicely done. Honesty without... I heard without, that somewhere. Honesty without you can tact be honest. is cruelty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be honest, but if you're not going to be tactful and kind, then you're just being mean. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, you know, my friend might show up for coffee and look really tired. You know, I want to be saying to myself, what do I hope to gain if I say to my friend, hey, you look tired. Uh, I'm not really going to, what am I hoping to gain there? What, I'm being honest? It's not kind. No, I I would rather instead say, hey, you know, um, how are you doing? And if they say, yeah, I'm exhausted, I was up all night, well, okay, great. Then I, I didn't say something not tactful and hurtful. Or yeah, you just, yeah. Right? Anyway, so getting back to uh, the strong foundation, complimenting, not criticizing, appreciating each other, expressing appreciation, what you cherish about your partner, what you're grateful for, thankful for, every day. That is, I think of it like that sort of uh, relational life jacket. It floats us, you know. Uh, makes things really nice. Um, no making assumptions. That's a strong foundation. You know, if you're not sure, making assumptions makes, remember the odd couple, an ass out of you and me. We assume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, yeah, uh, you know, I, I listen, I've been guilty of all this stuff, all stuff. Um, and so we learn, you know, no assumptions. Also, not taking things personally is important. And it's really hard to do that. I know, but it's it's a work that you can develop at and, and you can achieve it. Um, and planning time together as a couple, that's a strong foundation. You know, it's funny, I was thinking this morning, let me grab this, let me grab this note I made um, about planning. You know, sometimes I hear couples say, oh, we don't want to plan sex. We don't want to schedule it. It seems so unsexy. And we've talked about this before. So I was thinking, well, I think in that case, people are trying to uh, once again... Mm, grab that feeling that they had in the beginning that seemed so spontaneous, right? Seemed so, oh, magical. So when, when magic happens or that magic in relationship, it seems like there's not planning, but there actually is planning, right? People have to call yeah. each other, ask each <laughs> other out. When are you available? No, not then. Okay, then. Right? I mean, there actually oh, This is week planning. is really bad for me. What do you have next week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So there is planning that goes on. We just aren't thinking about that we're really more in our feelings right that pheromonal hormonal lovely soupy delicious feeling when you're attracted to someone right right so um i'm i'm off the notes here now i'm 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 riffing that's okay Um, (laughs) you're doing fine so um you know i just wanted to talk about that idea of planning time together as a couple and why that's so important and how that works is that planning what it does for the higher desire partner is it makes feel it makes the higher desire partner feel desired. If you're the lower desire partner and you're in on the planning, oh, that's going to tell your partner that you're he he or she is worth planning for. Right. Right. Keeping it in mind, and then that's okay if you have to rearrange it, talk about it, replan it, um, have it in mind. But I was thinking about this morning meals as a metaphor for this, right? So. Um, you plan, you know, let's say you want to do something fun and different. You want to go to brunch or lunch or dinner with your partner or your girlfriends or whatever. You know, you can say what you would like to have. So you'll say, oh, I can't wait to go to Sunday brunch. They have this great champagne and 
you know, hollandaise with eggs and salmon and whatever you're dreaming about that you might eat, right? And then you can say what you want to have and then once you're there, repeat it. So this also has to do with sex. I'm really digressing here, but a lot of times I hear people say, well, I told my partner what I like in bed, but my partner doesn't remember. So say it again. Say it in that moment, right? So you'll say, mm, I really want those eggs with hollandaise sauce. Um, and then the thing is, you're, you're planning the brunch and then you're sitting at the brunch, but you're not planning exactly how you're going to consume the lunch, right? You're not saying, okay, I'm going to lick the eggs or I'm going to bite the eggs or I'm going to chew them or I'm going to suck or slurp them, right? You're just saying, I'm going to be engaging in brunch and this is what I would like. Um, so what's my point? My point is, <laughs> sorry, that the planning is just like planning a meal. You know, it's fun to do that, right? It's fun to think about what you're going to eat if you love that thing, if you love sushi or you love steak. Uh, but you don't have to get down to the nitty gritty. You can you can then improvise how you're going to eat it, right? Um, or where you're going to have it. So that that's sort of a, a metaphor for for sex and intimacy, which is you're not planning everything. You're just planning sort of the generalities, and then you get to riff or improvise, right? It's like it's like a game. It's like sports, as we talked about last time, or like a music event. You you know you plan the event. You know, with sports and music, you're practicing. That's also a good thing, too, metaphor. Uh, but then once you get there, you got to let go, right? Then, right? then it's just improv. Hopefully you've done the work to get there, but then you're flying by the seat of your pants. You're in the game. Yes, you're strategizing, right? You're having certain plays that you want to do with music. You're, you've got your sheet music or you know the form of the music, you know, verse, verse, chorus, bridge, like that. But then you're just improvising. Yeah. So planning time together as a couple, very important. Or planning, planning intimacy too. Um, now, uh, moving forward with intimacy and connecting, not objectifying, right? Connectivity, not objectivity. Marriages and committed relationships are agreements. So agreements need to be reviewed and clearly communicated. You know, mostly we're not taught to do this in relationships, personal relationships. So it goes back to, remember the five elements I've talked about over time? Uh, yes. This is a Peggy Kleinplatz idea. I love her book, Magnificent Sex, Lessons from Extraordinary Lovers. And she talks about in order to have extraordinary intimacy, like to go from no sex or low sex to good sex, that's what I work on with people. And I also work on with people going from good sex to extraordinary sex. And extraordinary sex is really just about intimacy and connecting um, and sort of letting go of our notions of what that's going to be. And just being together, laughing together, enjoying each other, focusing on pleasure rather than the orgasm or penetration or intercourse as the goal. Right. Um, so those five elements she talks about are, you know, being vulnerable, developing yourself as being vul vulnerable in relationship, uh, authentic, uh, risk-taking, developing comfort in managing conflict, and developing strong interpersonal communication. And my terrible acronym for that is VARC. V-A-R-C-S, folks. This is how I remember it. Being vulnerable, authentic, being risk-taking, V-A-R, and then um, C, comfort in managing conflict, and S, strong interpersonal communication. So there's a, this book that Kleinplatz wrote with A. Dana Menard. Um, a man in, the, in that book is quoted saying the following. If I go into it, sex, saying this is going to be great sex, you know, Oftentimes, that just makes it not happen. 
if I go into it instead with the attitude of, well, you know, let's have fun and let's see what happens and make sure everybody's enjoying themselves, then it's a lot more likely that it's going to be good. All right. And I think a lot of times that's, I think that's interesting because, you know, you, your mindset going into something has so much control over the situation itself just by based on like how you are and how you're going to react. And, mm. and I think, I think that's it's so interesting because <laughs> it's true. If you yeah. go in saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Then the whole time you're only thinking of that one thing happening instead of everything mm. else that's a part of it. Yeah. And it goes back to expectations. You know, it's all about expectations. When our expectations are dashed and sometimes they're realistic and that's unfortunate. Sometimes they're just, most often, well, I shouldn't say most often, but when they are unrealistic expectations, which happens a lot, you know, we're disappointed quite often. So if we set our expectations a little easier, that's better. Right? Uh, you know, set, setting expectations that are too high or unmet expectations causes anxiety. Anxiety over time, if it goes on a long time, can turn into depression because that's exhausting. Right? So um, tiring. Yeah. So again and again, you know, I hear the higher desire partner, you know, and remember half the time it's men, half the time it's women. There's no gender correlation. Uh, they say that when they're physically intimate and experiencing affection, they feel connected and they feel desired by their partner. So they're not objectifying their partners. They're feeling connected. Um, and on the other hand, Emily Nagoski, who wrote Come As You Are, love her, uh, she would say that lower desire partners feel connected through context. We've talked about this, right? Uh, in other words, what happens all day long from the division of labor being fairer in their lives and their homes to, you know, having morning coffee together and connecting, right? Uh, to evening rituals, communicating, planning dates, non-sexual times together. Um, so the message is to you know, is to talk to your partner and find out how to do better as a partner, whether it's sex or the dishes. You know, what do you need from me, honey? What, what, what's going on today? You know, what, what can I do to make your day better? I mean, I actually say that to my partner. I wake up, you know, I say it, you know, kind of goofy sometimes, but I'll actually say, oh, honey, what can I do for you today? And, you know, <laughs> we yeah. laugh. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it's something is stated and sometimes not, you know. Do you find that, is there, how can I word this? Do you see any correlation in higher desire partners having a hard time communicating? Is there, is there any correlation there where it's like, if, I just think it's interesting and I just thought of this when you were saying that higher desire partners feel more connected, you know, when they're physically intimate. So is there any connection yeah. between maybe they have a harder time verbally speaking into existence that connection so they they do it physically instead yeah there th that can be sure i mean do i see that as a major pattern um well here's what i'll say to that and i'm not avoiding answering your question I, i'm well not. no I, what I, I i'm not sure if there is a connection i was just yeah curious. but the connection or the thing that comes to my head is that um lower desire partners when it comes to sex and intimacy they are withdrawing Mm -hmm. um, physically or sexually higher desire partners can tend to withdraw emotionally okay so if they're if people are withdrawing emotionally it can come off as objectifying 
because there's not the the verbiage that's coming along with um, I mean sometimes there is like oh I want you you know or I'm uh, you know you know feeling passion for you or you know I think the mistake sometimes men make is, is to say hey do you want to have sex to their wives and their mm. wives are like uh, well that's not very romantic honey uh, <laughs> yeah sure maybe but maybe not uh, you know so this is where imagination comes in creativity comes in you know setting the stage to help your partner your wife whether it's a woman or a man remember it goes both ways uh, to feel more relaxed more desired more connecting you know don't talk it kind of goes back to this idea don't talk about the relationship just do the relationship so uh, do communicating do talking do uh, doing stuff that's fun do walking do bowling do time with other couples do all kinds of fun interesting stuff do things for yourself that enrich you for yourselves that enrich enriches you as an individual um, you know when your partner is off and out and doing their own thing it can create an air of mystery like oh what's my partner doing you know my partner's not on top of me kind of wanting sex my partner's off doing their own thing you know Esther Perel talks about admiration as a um, aphrodisiac yeah when you look at your partner and you think wow look at my partner do that thing they're so good at that's an aphrodisiac right as opposed to look at my partner looking at me wanting me right now that brings up anxiety yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that's the that's how that works like you know just in terms of being sort of very step-by-step looking at what works and doesn't work so go off and do your own thing. I mean, run it by your partner. Don't leave the house and leave your partner with everything to do. But, you know, run it by your partner. You can say, hey, look, I really want to go to that museum today to check out that funky exhibit. Um, before I go, do you need anything from me? Or, look, I'm really interested in that. Do you need anything from me before I go? And by the way, do you want to come? Yeah. You know, then your partner can say, uh, yeah, great, go, get out of the house, that'd be great <laughs> to have some hours to myself. Or they might say, yes, thank you so much for mentioning it. Can you pick up the groceries or can you mail this letter or can you do this for me on your way there or on your way home? Um, and I'd love to come with you, but I don't think I have the time. And then that can open up another conversation like, well, is there anything I can help you with so that you do have the time so we can maybe do that task together and maybe go to the museum together or not? Maybe your partner's going to say that, Art exhibit is not anything I'm interested in. Go have a ball, honey. Does this make sense? It does. The only thing that I would have to say to that is just make sure you do the thing. Oh, <laughs> so follow- if your partner, oh, yes. just follow through. Follow through. <laughs> because I know for me personally, if I ask my partner, you know, if my partner's like, oh, is there anything that I can do for you? And then they, and, and I said, and, yeah, could you mail this letter? And then three days later, I see the letter sitting in the visor of the car. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just met with a couple yesterday. That was the thing. You know, it follows through. It? <laughs> yeah, well, what, well, one partner asked the other partner, we'll just say partner A and partner B. Partner A said, oh, I love surprises, and I've been asking for a surprise for like the last, you know, whatever, six months, six years. And... uh <laughs> You know, partner B was like, yeah, really, really, really well aware that my partner wants a surprise. But, you know, and I got like when when they say it, I go, yeah, that's great. And then I forget. So then I say, how can you not forget? How can you make that a priority? Do you want to set an alarm on your phone? 
Do you want to write it down? Do you want to just like get on it right then while you're thinking of it? Yeah. Um, yeah, follow through is really important because then that makes the other partner feel desired, important. Uh, and then it's also nuanced and complicated in that I might say to partner A, um, so you like surprises, that's great. Um, have you have you given your partner some ideas of surprises you like? And that partner might say, well, they know. Well, maybe they don't. You know, you know, 17 years ago, we went to blah, 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 and I loved it. Well, you know, they can't read your mind. <laughs> uh, so, so throw out some suggestions and also, you know, surprise yourself. Um, you can create a surprise too. You don't have to wait for your partner to do that for you necessarily. Yeah. I think that goes back to, we've, we, I, I think, yeah. That whole, oh, they know. Or, oh, if I tell them that it's not a surprise, like, no, it's still a surprise. You don't know what's gonna, when it's going to happen. You're right. just giving them, yeah. you're giving them the tools that they need mm -hmm. to do the thing that you like. Right. So the instruction yesterday was, in this session, um, we got to the, you know, homework. Couples have to do things between sessions to create change. I give them yeah. ideas, and I help them walk through stuff they haven't resolved yet. But if they don't do their part, you know, everybody has their part. I have my part, they have their part. So the, the homework then was, okay, uh, there's going to be the surprise and the follow-through by September 15th. So yesterday was, what, the 18th? So yep. that's almost a month. Um, and I said, how about you don't do it on the 14th? Right. <laughs> how about like sometime well in advance of the 15th? Um, yeah. And I said to the other partner who wants the surprise, just enjoy it. Resist the temptation to do that thing where people say, oh, you only did it because I wanted you to do it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, just say, oh, isn't this great? What a lovely surprise. Focus on the positive, minimize the negative, more positive neurons in your neural pathways, and you'll both have fun. And then you'll well, create think... a memory. You know, then, then you've also got the memory from it, which is another positive, more positive neurons in your neural pathways. Go ahead. And I just think it's interesting because I've heard myself say, oh, but you only did it because I asked you to. But then when I hear myself say that, I'm like, but they listened. They yeah. did it. That's you right. know, so they, they listened. So they, they heard mm -hmm. what I said. And they, it absorbed into their brain and then mm -hmm. they did it. And that yeah. is just as important, you know, cause it's, yeah. Yeah. They, they're listening, they're hearing you, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's good enough. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's good enough. Or it's a start. It can be a start. It's a start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Start is better than no start. Good enough is you better know? than a start. And yeah, perf perfect is unattainable. So, you know, you might perfect have. Is a, perfection is a myth. <laughs> well, it is. It is. You might have moments that feel like perfection. Um, but whatever. I mean, that's lovely. They don't happen very often, if ever. So and I think it takes it takes getting to know your partner and every chapter of your partner to be a good partner. So like saying, well, last year, well, what if their likes have changed since last year? Do you know? That's, like maybe they have a new yeah. favorite food. Maybe they have a new favorite song. Maybe they have a... That's right. They have a new hobby that they've been dying to try. Yes. And, that's right. you know? Yeah. Maybe they developed an allergy to the crab they used to love they can't eat anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. 
Um, so the message is to take to your part. Sorry, as I said before, talk to your partner, right? And yeah. and you know, find out how to do better, whether it's sex or the dishes. You know, find out how to be a better lover. I mean, really talk about it. Communicate how your partner um, can be a better lover to you before and during sex, not necessarily after. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't wait till after. I mean, you can address it after, but only if you've also d- addressed it either before or during sex. So, or during intimacy, right? You don't want to, you know, surprise them with a yeah, that was kind of lousy. Oh, that would be terrible because then they're going to be, be like, awful. Why, why didn't you tell me in the moment, right? You know, and why didn't you tell me to do something different? Can you imagine going through all of that and then just sitting there and then being like, eh. <laughs> and, but, be, and listen, that would be so stressful yeah i also have empathy though for people who have who find it difficult to talk about what they like what they enjoy oh, what abso- feels good absolutely right. i but i feel personally that those are like two separate things right so saying i like this or i don't like this can be anxiety inducing in some people mm-hmm. but i also don't necessarily know if those are the same people that would then be like, ah, that wasn't great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, because yeah. If they, yeah. Because if they have troubles, <laughs> but I mean, maybe they are. And well, if they are, how no, do, I, but if they are, how, then how do you, I would want those people to feel empowered to say in the moment the same things that they feel comfortable saying not in the moment. And how do we help them do that? Is that a thing? There's a lot of rain coming down. Can you hear it? No, I actually can't. It stopped here. It's sunny oh. here now. <laughs> yeah, it's raining now, boy. Woo, baby. Hello. <laughs> Rainy um, couple of days in New England. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, to your point, Vicki, yeah, the, you're right. How it usually shows up is not with someone saying, eh, yeah, that wasn't very good. It's that they withdraw. They they don't mm. speak at all, and their partners are left with, I don't know how to please you. Please, please give me information. Because the bottom line is, you know, if sex isn't good, if anything isn't good, we don't want to do it again. You know, right. if you're reading, uh, if you love mystery novels and you're reading uh, travelogue, you know, you're not going to want to go back to that travelogue again. You want to go back to the mystery novel, right? But, um, well. That might be a great, but that might be a great opportunity. You know, if your partner, or maybe it's not a great opportunity. Please tell me if this is a, if this would be a way to do it, but. You know, if you find that you and your partner have sex and then, you know, the next time you try their withdrawing or or they're not really into it or whatever, maybe that's the opportunity to say, you know, what would you be interested in? Or, you know, yeah. what what is something that I could do better or something that I could, you know what I mean? And use yeah. that as the opportunity to give them not the push, but open the door for them to then say, well, sometimes when this happens, I don't like it, but I like this instead. And then it's like a little softer than, yeah. you know, yeah, and that having goes... to be put on the spot in the moment while you're yeah. both in a vulnerable state. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. And it goes back to the that strong foundation we were talking about before, developing that yeah. strong foundation of not taking things personally, not making assumptions, seeing the problem as an opportunity. Right. right? I never assume that you know in my relationship with my partner i never assume that i know what my partner enjoys or feels turned on by i mean if i'm reading my partner and they don't seem happy i'm going to say you know what's going on 
you know, what do you need? What do you want? You know, what, how, how can we make this better for you? Or whatever it might be, whether it's in the bedroom or it's in the kitchen or the living room, whether we're doing dishes or chores or managing our money or dealing with, you know, parenting or um, in-law stuff, etc. It, it's the same thing. It's better communication. Right. To your point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, the, the other idea is redefining sex as pleasure. A lot of people are connected to a, a specific idea of what sex is, that it's penetration, orgasm, and intercourse. And uh, intercourse and penetration is only necessary if you want to make a baby and procreate. Yeah. Right? Other than that, and that comes up in uh, couples therapy where people are, you know, having either erectile issues or you know, vaginismus, pain, dyspareunia, where they, they can't have intercourse and they're trying to make a baby. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of what I uh, give to folks to take home and practice is uh, slowing things down, focusing on sensation, focusing on their own pleasure for better blood flow, less muscle tension, and more pleasure. Uh, yeah, so using imagination, getting creative, forgiving the past. You know, I've, I have couples, uh, members of couples who'll say, oh, how do I let go of all the stuff that's happened? You know, of the multiple times my partner did this or did that, right? So one of the ways of letting go of that is understanding that we grow and we change. If, some, if two people are showing up in a relationship, or you know, maybe it's three people or four people if it's polyamory, um, if, the, if people are showing up, they're wanting it. They have desire for the relationship. They're wanting better, right? So um, we have to understand that maybe we weren't clear about what we needed before, okay? And we're getting clear now. So that's part of the growth, part of the change, part of the evolution. And wouldn't you yourself like to be forgiven for your own mistakes or transgressions, like your partner's looking to be forgiven, you know? Um, Look, we never forget. I mean, we're like elephants. You know, we don't forget because we... That's a way of learning. You, know, you never want to be treated in a certain way, so you don't forget it when you've been treated badly. Um, but we can forgive. And forgiving is really, oh my goodness, I mean, a lot of that in a marriage or committed relationship. So be willing to forgive um, and know your partner really wants to do and be better, not only for you, but here's the, here's the biggest, most wonderful part of all. They want to do it usually for their own integrity. They're not just doing it for you. They're doing it for themselves so they feel a sense of integrity and honor in how they walk through their life, your relationship, and the world. Isn't that nice? That's so nice. (laughs) I'm just listening to you and I'm like, that's so nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And look, at the same time, there's no guarantees in life. People do stuff. They make mistakes. Uh, but again, integrity, I think, is what drives is what drives people to do better. Most most people. Yeah. And when we're making mistakes, we're in self protection mode. Get out of self protection mode. Think about the good of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our that's our talk today. What do you think? Got anything else to add? Yeah. So. Not really. Yeah. Intimacy as connectivity, not objectivity. Remember, you know, partners are just wanting to connect and feel desired. So um, thank you, Vicki, for this lovely talk. Thank you for 
listening to my thoughts and my questions. <laughs> She's so cute, people. Someday we have to do not a podcast, but a, a what do you call it? A video, a video show, like a like a pic- a picture show. <laughs> She's too much. Uh, so yeah, so thanks for joining us once again uh, at. You know, the happy ending therapist here at Sex and Couples Therapy. Uh, I'm Donna Harris Richards, L-I-C-S-W-C-S-T. Remember, you can find us on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, look for the happy ending therapist. The phone number to call the office is 508-990-9909. And the website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. You can find us on Spotify and all these Apple podcasts, all these different places. <laughs> and uh, remember to always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. And we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you.